Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. You know, last week I talked about intimacy, having an intimate relationship with Father and an intimate relationship with each other knowing each other well, uh, knowing each other completely, and being known. And uh, I think that's one of the core values of church is that we get to know each other very well, that we don't just come to church and say, well, we went to church, but I really don't know everybody. I know who they are, but I don't know anything about them. I think you got to get to know each other. Small groups is one of the ways you do that. If you're not in a small group, you need to get in a small group. It's it's just one of those great things that happens. And uh, so to create and live in a healthy, intimate church family is one of the core values of the church. And this week, I'm going to start a series of sermons for the month of November where we look at things that we have to be thankful for. It's called Thanks, as you see on the board. And um, I, I really think it's uh, one of the core values of our church also that we are thankful all year long. Okay? And, and I tend to, I think that we church people, like all people, tend to live in a spirit of, of uh, irritation, unhappiness, wanting more, instead of living in the attitude and the spirit of thanksgiving. And I think that we need to live in a spirit of thanksgiving all year long. Thanksgiving's a holiday that's starting to be overlooked. I don't know if you've noticed that, but Christmas is starting to infringe on it so much. Already, you go in the stores, you go to Hobby Lobby, you go to the Menards, you go to Lowe's, wherever, they've got their Christmas displays all set up. They're already moving on because Christmas makes them a lot of money, Thanksgiving not so much. And Hallmark is already pushing their Christmas movies on TV. So Christmas, it's about getting and giving things. And so unfortunately, Thanksgiving has been replaced and relegated to the day when the big Christmas push starts, you know, Black uh, Friday has become you know, Black Thursday when on Thanksgiving Day, as soon as you finish eating the turkey, you throw things in the trash and boom, you head out to the malls and you head out to the stores and wherever else they have stuff to start buying for Christmas. And I think we need to just slow it down. And so what I want to do this month is is spend a month being thankful for all that we have. Okay, I want to talk about that for just a minute. Because of all the people on earth, even though sometimes we have started acting like it's not true, we are a very, 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 very blessed people. I read somewhere where we are 32 32 times more wealthy than most anyone else on the face of the earth, almost across the board. And I know there's some of you say, I don't have much. Compared to the world, there's not a poor person living in this place. I guarantee you. So we need to be thankful for what we have. Uh, there's a lot of problems, but we need to be intensely thankful. So this month, I want to involve you in an exercise of thanksgiving. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to do this every day, and it's easy, and we can all do this, and we can all do it together, but I want all of you to make a commitment right now to doing this. I want you to make a commitment to, as soon as you get out of bed, before you do anything else, I want you to stop, and I want you to think of three things that day that you have to be thankful for. And then I want you to pray them, pray thanksgiving over them out loud before you go on with the rest of your day. And and you're sitting there, all of you going, 
Chibi smiles. That's a good thing. So let's be happy today. Let's all be happy and let's smile and let's be thankful. Now, you know, lest you forget that, what I want you to do is write that out. And I want you to tape it to the mirror in the bathroom or, or, or put it on your, you know, wherever you look first or, or, or uh, on the refrigerator or you can actually put it on your phone or whatever. But remind yourself to do that. And then at the end of that, what I want to do is I believe this is going to change some lives. I think some hearts are going to get changed. I think some attitudes are going to get changed. And then at the end of that, what I want to do is I want to invite you to come and some of you to come up and tell us what God did through your being thankful. Because I think a lot of people are walking around going, oh, life just kind of sucks. And I think if you're doing that, it's going to suck. And I think if you're thankful, life's going to get a lot better. I really do. And so I really encourage you to do that. I know a lot of you are looking like you don't want to do that right now. You're looking at me real sour. It's kind of weird standing up here after saying something about being thankful to see the looks coming back at you that way. I thought it'd be different. Now. But anyway, that's what I think we should do. So, so in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I want to tell you about two old boys who went out uh, turkey hunting just before Thanksgiving. And they were out by the old cemetery, uh, down by the old church, and they were walking along, been out there for about an hour, and uh, this big old Tom Turkey walks out of the woods, and uh, one of the good old boys lowers his shotgun, getting ready to take the shot and get that turkey, and, and just as he does, the, a funeral procession starts by. He lowers his gun, takes off his hat, and stands there at attention and watches, and while he's doing that, the turkey goes back in the woods and disappears, and it's by, and his friend looks at him and goes, man, I have never in my life seen anything like that he goes you were so respectful and you you did that uh, it, it just seemed so nice uh, why would you do that and the guy says well i kind of owed it to her we were married for 40 years <laughs> i know bad joke trying to keep up with alan trent you know that's all i'm doing just working on trying to be like them so anyway turn to john chapter 1 verses 1 through 13 it'll be on the board as well as we look together at the scripture I'm going to remind you about Thanksgiving. I'm going to remind you to keep doing that. I've been doing that. I know it's changing my heart. It really is. John 1, verses 1 through 13, and I want you to hear the word of the Lord today. And, I, you know, I, I was talking with Nathan about this. I read a lot of Scripture, but I, I don't think we should just read a verse because a verse can mean, you know, we can be taken out of context. I like to read it so that there's plenty around it so you can see what is really going on. This says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And there came a man who was sent from God, and his name was John. And he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, through the, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Father, today I just ask that you would be with us as we enter into this time of hearing your word and as we listen to what you have to say to us. Father, I know that right now there's a lot of things that are going on and 
Minds are about everywhere they can be. Lord, I pray right now that you would do a miracle in this place and that you would bring our minds under control and that you would help us to focus on your word and help us to look up and see the face of Jesus. That as we look into your face and as we look into your word, Lord, that our hearts would be moved. Lord, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired of the world winning. I want to see you win, Lord. I want to see the heaven break through. And I believe that the kingdom of God is now. And I believe that you want to do that right here, right now. So Lord, come and do your will right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever had a, have you ever had a piece of equipment? Maybe you have something in your house right now, a piece of equipment, something that you bought that does certain things. And, you know, it, it, and the promise was it would do all kinds of things and it would be uh, do all kinds of, of uh, tasks for you. But you're using it for one thing and it's just sitting there most of the time, not much happening. Uh, you don't really use it to its full use. Anybody here other than me do that sort of thing? You know, you've got those things. Uh, let me ask you a question here. How many of you have a smartphone with you today? If you have a smartphone, raise, them out, raise your hands. You know, show me. Okay. Uh, Maybe an iPhone or, or might be an Android, but it's a smartphone. Okay. H how many of you right now would say, I use that thing to its full potential? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most of us have no clue. I don't know how many functions are on an iPhone. Do you have any idea, Nathan, how many functions an iPhone will do? Got any thoughts on that? You usually know these kind of things. I'm just turning to you as my expert. I have no idea. I, I tried to look it up. I don't think even I, I don't even think Apple knows how many things it'll actually do. And then on top of that, you can buy like thousands of apps and add on. And so that turns it into like whatever you need it to be. I mean, it's just incredible what an iPhone will do. It, 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 you know, and, and none of us have a clue of its potential, really. But most of us use it for what? Answering the phone. Texting. Facebook, social media, yeah, mostly Facebook because we're older than that, but you younger ones especially use it for just a lot of other things like that. And what else? Pictures, take camera pictures all the time, yep, yep, so you can post them on social media. That's the whole reason for that, right? Exactly, yeah. And then a few of us use it for a GPS, you know, because we're too cheap to buy one, so we use our, you know, that's, and that's fine, you know, it works. And after that, it pretty much is a paperweight, right? I mean, we don't use it. It just sits there or it takes up space in your pocket or your purse or something. So, I mean, that's really what we do with our iPhones. And I'm convinced that it's also pretty much the way it is in our relationship with Jesus. I, I think, I believe with all my heart that our relationship with Jesus is so much more to it than what we actually live out in our lives. Most of us, have relegated our relationship to Jesus to be this, salvation. I, I want to keep from going to hell, and he helps me not do certain things. I behave a better, I'm, I'm better behaved because I'm a Christian. After that, we really don't have a clue. Most of us don't, don't do much else with our Christianity. John in chapter 1 is telling us who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. It's how God spoke to us. Jesus was how God communicated, how he spoke to us, his sinful lost creation. Jesus is how God intersected and reconnected with us. See, we were, we were separated from God by sin. And, and it was through Jesus that God spoke to our world and spoke it into being. And now it's how he speaks to our world 
and brings us back to himself. And I'm thankful for the fact that God created us. I'm thankful for life today. I don't know if you understand that, but this life we live is an incredible privilege. Amen? Come on, guys. I feel like I'm up here by myself today. I feel like everybody is just sound asleep. You had an extra hour sleep. Come on. What a privilege to live in the world we live in. Real life begins in Christ, though. And the, and the absolute privilege is this, that not only did he speak you into being, but he has come to you and communicated to you and brought you back to God so that you can be in relationship with the Father. And so all throughout this scripture, John's reminding us of the greatness of God and who and what he is. God created this world to be a temple. I've been telling you that. God had created this world to be his temple, to dwell in with us, to, to walk alongside of us, to be a part with us. And then sin happened, and it separated us. I mean, what a beautiful world God created. Have you been outside the last couple of not, not months? Not on Halloween, not on the 31st. That was ugly. That, that was real ugly, you know, snow and cold. But, but the days since then have been beautiful, sun, and the, the colors, and it's just been fantastic outside. What a beautiful, beautiful world God created for us to live in. And I thank God for his world. But, but the situation is, is that we sinned, and when we did, we ruined it. We, we lost control of this world. This world that God gave us to live in and to rule over, we gave up right to. We said, here, Satan, you take control. And we handed him the keys to the kingdom. And God was forced out, and God will not live with sin. But here's the deal, and here's the good news. God was not finished. He was not finished. He didn't just leave us here to live in our sin. Have you ever thought about what this world would look like if God had just left us here on our own to live in the sin and just said, let it go. I'm not going to take any part in it. This world would have just continued to grow more and more evil, more and more horrible. The hell that we uh, think about would not even it would almost pale in comparison to what we would be living in right now but he didn't just leave us here but god god began the process of redemption and restoration of the world the cost of of restoration was the life of his son jesus we all know this and i'm i'm not telling you new things right now i'm just kind of going back over some things but here's the deal god thought you were worth it god thinks you're worth it so he sent Jesus in the flesh to be our Savior, to speak to us, to remind us, to reconnect to us. I thank God for sending Jesus. That's one of the things I'm thankful for today. I thank God for sending Jesus to reconnect and for redemption of my sins so that I could be forgiven, so that I could live with him. I thank God for that today, amen? Now, according to verses 9 through 11, Jesus came into the world and many people, including those that he came to, which was the Jewish people at the time, did not know him or receive him. They were unwilling to listen. They were unwilling to hear. They were unwilling to accept what Jesus had done and would do to rescue them. But John tells us that some heard, some accepted. Verse 12, as many as would receive him, he gave the right and privilege to become children of God. Thank you again, Jesus, because I can become your child. I can live in the family. And it's not just I get to come back and tag along and pick up crumbs. He invited me to the family, to the table. Thank God for that. Praise God. I have to tell you, I'm very thankful today that the Scripture doesn't say some things like I hear others say. Even people inside the church say things like this. 
I'm thankful that I don't can tell you that the scripture doesn't say if a person is good enough, they get to come back. I'm thankful today that I can say that it doesn't say, the scripture doesn't say if I follow all the rules that I get to come and be a part of the family. It doesn't say if she is nice enough and pretty enough, she gets to come. It doesn't say if they don't have a record, they get to come. If she doesn't drink, she gets to come. If he isn't an addict, he gets to come. If they read the Bible and memorize it, they get to come. If they never get angry, they get to come. No, the Bible doesn't teach that. It teaches this. It says as many would receive him, he gave the rights to become his children. That's it. He didn't say when they straighten up. He doesn't say when they get their act together. He doesn't say when they clean up. He says as many as would receive him. Well, this week, there's been a big buzz going around on Facebook and other places about Kanye West's conversion to Christianity. Anybody here hear anything about that this week? A few of you, the rest of you, I don't know what you were doing. In fact, I posted an article on Facebook that I read that I think made a lot of sense, and it talked about not only Kanye, but it talked about Justin Bieber and Chance the Rapper, Kevin Durant, the NBA star, Selena Gomez, who's a singer-songwriter, Chris Pratt, an actor, Brad Pitt, an actor. They all have become children of God recently. In fact, I heard another guy, and he calls it the Hollywood revival that is taking place. I thought that sounded pretty good. And I see a lot of you sitting there going, mm-hmm, sure, I bet that's really happening. Here's the deal. I know all the stupid stuff that Justin Bieber did. It's been all over the news. I mean, we know a lot of it. Probably not all of it. He probably did a lot more than that. I've heard all the stories about Brad Pitt. Anybody here ever hear anything about him? A few? Besides the fact that he's cute and all that. And Kanye West one time called himself God. And the worst part, he's married to Kim Kardashian. It's all true. So I know a lot of people are sitting around going, I'm skeptical and I don't know about the validity of those conversions. In fact, there are some who are just downright negative about it. I've seen some Christians post some pretty ugly stuff about how it's just not true. And oh my goodness, I can't believe that they, they get all this time and we care what they do. And oh, it's just Kanye West, you know, he's bipolar. And as soon as he comes back down off of his thing, he's going to be antichrist again. And I mean, back and forth it goes. They're too messed up. I've heard that. They have no value. They're too broken, too lost. But that's not true according to John. John says that's not true at all. In fact, he says that God has invited us all to receive Jesus and to become sons and daughters of God. Not all will receive, but all are invited. And my guess is, is this universal invitation that was given to all people everywhere to come be sons and daughters of God has included even those people that I mentioned today. I'm thankful that God included me in that. I'm thankful he included you in that. I'm thankful he included Pete and, and Daryl back there. And I'm thankful he included uh, uh, Matt and, and, and Richard and, and all of us. Chris, all of us. You aren't left out of that. Now, as I said, not all will receive, but all are invited. And here's the deal. If those people that I have mentioned received the message and repented, he has received them into his presence. They are part of the kingdom. 
And here's the other part of that. I think, I believe, that when Kanye West said yes to Jesus, when all those others said yes to Jesus, all of heaven stood up and danced. That was a big reaction. Jonah is the only person in the Bible I can find who got ticked off when people gave their heart to Jesus. You know, he sat there and moaned about it. I knew if I preached it, they would go and repent. hate that, man. I hate it when people get it right. But that's how the church sounds a little bit sometimes. I hate it when people like Kanye West decide he's going to become a Christian. Not me, man. I am so excited. Because there's more people hearing about Jesus right now than has heard in a very long time. Praise the Lord. Even You know what? Even if he screws up, he's preaching the name of Jesus right now. Jesus said, if they're not against us, they're for us. Let's get excited. I think God's kind of sad that some of his other kids are ticked off rather than celebrating his adoption. How could God let them in? I didn't do that. I deserve more. Sounds a little bit like the older brother in the parable of the lost son. They're his kids. I'm his kid. They're family. Me and Kanye are brothers. I'm going to call him up and ask him for some money. I don't know if he'll give me that, but he's still my brother. I accept them. I'm thankful for them. And with that in mind, I want to ask you a question. And I'm serious about this right now. If you haven't heard me at all, hear me now. I want to ask you a question. I want you to look at your life, your heart, and I want you to ask you this. Are you for real? Have you fully given yourself to Jesus? Have you accepted all He has for you? Are you a true believer in Jesus? Or are you just going along and playing the game? Are you serious about your spiritual family? Or are you just trying to get some fire insurance, just trying to get to heaven, but you really don't want it to affect you and change anything in your life? Are you for real or only are you only doing your church thing because that's what you've always done and that's what your mama did and that's what your daddy did and so you're just doing it? Because when you accept Jesus Christ's gift, he adopted you as his child. And you need to understand this. He adopted you with all the privilege and power of a child of God. And that's another thing I'm so thankful for today. We've got to get this. My adoption into the family, your adoption into the family, Kanye's adoption into the family is not about something that will happen in the future. Our adoption into God's family is right now. He has adopted me. He wants me to be active in the family right now. He's not saying, hey, someday I want you to come to the family reunion. He's saying, I want you at the family reunion now because you're my child. Inside of this statement by John, I hear the voice of my father, and he's saying this, since you're a child of God, will you accept and participate in what God has given to us? That's a lot more than will you just accept going to heaven someday. Will you allow me to do in your life all that I came to do? Son, daughter, will you do what I ask, or are you going to set your heritage as a son and daughter on the shelf to collect dust? I'm afraid that's what a lot of Christians are doing. They're setting their heritage, their beliefs, the thing that God has done for them. They're taking it and putting it on the shelf and saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. And it sits right next to their Bible and collects dust. But doesn't really change their lives. It's like Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, where God gives three different, or the, the, man, the, the, the king gives three different men uh, talents. He gives one five and 
and he gives one three and he gives one one and the one with five goes out and he doubles it and the one with three goes out and he doubles it and the one with one buries it. He hides it out of the way. He sets it aside. He doesn't do anything with it. And when the king comes back, he rewards those with five and gives more that one now that they have ten. And, and the one with three, he has six and he gives him more and he rewards him. And the one with one, he casts into eternity, uh, eternal uh, punishment for being unwilling to use the one that he has to be what God wants him to be. And, and I'm just asking that question because I wonder, is God doing in us something? Is He calling us to something and we're not willing to do it? He wants us to use the talents. It's like a lady I heard about whose husband died and she had her 1998 Corvette, his 1998 Corvette in the garage covered up and it sat there for five years and collected dust. You know, it's a wonderful car, but it just became a dust collector. And I wonder about that. So my question is, what are we doing with the precious gift of being a child of God? Are we like our iPhone that we paid $600 for so that we could check our emails and look at Facebook and take some pictures? But we really don't have any idea what the rest of it does and we just kind of let it sit there. As, as a child of God, are you using the honor and the privilege and the power of your status for anything or are you just letting it collect dust? See, becoming a child of God is huge, and I think that we need to understand that God has invited you into His home. He has told you that the past is forgiven and that all of the sin in your life is dealt with. It's not a matter of you've got to deal with that. That's all taken care of. All you have to do is accept it, and He will set you free of sin and condemnation and give you a new name and give you the power and the authority of child of God, child of the King of Kings. You know, we live in a time where king doesn't mean much. We don't really understand that. We are not born into a kingdom. We have a president, but not, it's not the same thing. And, you know, so we don't understand it. But in the day when this was written, the king carried great authority. And to be his son carried great authority. And we live as the king of kings. We live with the king of kings. And we're his sons and his daughters. And he's given us the keys to all the power and the authority of heaven. And the most thankful thing you can do with that gift that he paid for is to use it. It's much more than just turning over a new leaf. We're not just turning over a new leaf. In Luke chapter 15, 22 through 24, you see the story played out. And I referenced it earlier. The son comes home a mess. He, he's been out. He squandered the name that he's been given. He squandered all the rights. It's gone. It, you, you know, you look at him and you go, man, what in the world is he thinking? And he's been eating out of pig troughs. And he stinks and he's dirty and he comes home and he comes home to say, God, I just want to be a servant. Dad, I just want to be a servant. But the dad sees him coming and the dad wraps him up in a new robe and he puts a ring on his finger. He declares that he is a son. And I wonder if we understand that. He gave him back his name. He gave him back his name. He restored him to son, not servant. That's what God has done for you. He has restored you back to son, daughter, not servant. Oh man, I am so thankful that he's made me his son. The question is, how do I show my gratitude? And the first question, or the first answer to that is this, quit living as a pauper. 
Quit living as a pauper. Quit walking around as though there's nothing you can do. Quit sitting on the sidelines saying, well, there's nothing we can do to help out. I'm telling you, we live in a time when we have all the power of the world and we can change the world. We can change our city. There is great things for us to do here. But we're still living in the past, still saying I can't. And we've never accessed the benefits of our adoption. Can you imagine being adopted by someone like Bill Gates with the billions of dollars that he has? And someone says to you, hey, what about going to Florida? You want to go down and spend a few days? And you look at him and say, I don't have any money. I can't afford a ticket. And they look at you and they go, what is wrong with you? Your name is Gates. If you want to go to Florida, you don't need a ticket. You just call up the family jet and say, let's go to Florida. And that's the way it should be because your name is Gates. You're different than the rest of the world. My name is child of God and that benefits me. And that title includes things like forgiveness of sin, the end of guilt, and eternal life. And the reality is that most people never get past that. But there's so much more. God, our Father, gives us a new name. He heals our past. A lot of you are walking around with wounds left over from what happened when you were a kid and what someone said to you and you've got this belief that you really are that person and that's your identity. You've adopted the identity of loser and broken and not as good as and and some of those names and that's just not true. Because you are a child of God, all that has been taken care of. He's healed you. He gives us the power to tell Satan to get off. You don't have to do what Satan tells you. You can be set free from that. You don't have to hate. You can love. You don't have to see all the bad in people. You can see the good. Amen? He gives us the power to tell others about his greatness. We can walk around and tell friends about him. We can tell them. My little uh, granddaughter has a little cousin that it's uh, Dana's sister's daughter. And... They don't go to church. But somewhere along the way, someone began to tell her about Jesus. Now, I don't know how old Abby is. Was she about six? Seven, eight, nine, something like that. She's not real old. But someone began to tell her about Jesus. And she thought that was pretty interesting. And she got excited. And so she went home and started telling her daddy about it. And now he's all upset because he's like, man, she's going to be some Jesus freak. Oh, my goodness. you know. But, but you know what? She figured it out. She has power to tell other people and it affects them when she tells them. He gives us the power to serve. I love this part. You get to serve God. You get to do what God asks you to do. You get to serve. You don't need anybody to tell you a good job. You know why? Because he's telling us good job. He gives me power to live in faith. He gives me power to comfort others. I love that, that I can be a comfort to others, that I can go up to them and tell them, hey, listen, I know things are tough, but I know one who's tougher than the things that are going on. He gives me power to overcome the world. He gives me the power to love others as he has loved me. And that's just for starters. The Bible says we will never completely know all that God has in store for us. It just goes on and on as you plumb the depths of the word. It just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. I wonder if you can look at yourself and say, I'm using the gifts and the graces my father has given to me to bless the family. Can you say that you're so grateful for all he's given to you so you're totally ready to do anything he asks you to do? Because if you're not, then you're not grateful. You're still putting conditions on it. You're saying, I accept it as long as I don't have to. 
Folks, God gave you everything. We live in a world right now where if everyone in this world, if just starting in this room, were to give God everything and just begin to live that out, it will change everything as we know it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9, through 9, Peter wrote this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Sadly, I have found myself in recent past just living my Christian life to the minimums. Just being willing to get by. I found myself in a rut of just trying to keep from messing up too bad. Anybody here ever done that? You just find yourself using Christianity just to try to keep out of too much trouble. I was using the salvation that Jesus came to earth and died on a cross for to do damage control. Man, it costs way too much for that. Jesus gave us everything. And it's way too much for us to just live that way. That's not what he came and suffered for. Jesus came and suffered and died to remake us into his image. To adopt us as his sons and daughters so that we'd be free of sin and empowered to take this world back. I believe even to reign. Romans 5.17 says, For if by the transgressions of the one death reigned through the one, much, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And then in Revelation 22, it says, there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And His bondservants will serve Him and they will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads and there will be no longer any night and they will not have neither the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. To reign means we're given Jesus and when we have Jesus, we have His power to lead, to set the agenda for the world. I'm tired of the world of sin, of the mess, setting the agenda for the world. I'm tired of corruption setting the agenda for our city. It's time, and I'm not talking politics here, I'm talking about Christians. It's time for Christians to stand up and say, you know what? We're going to live differently than this. We're going to set the agenda of love, and compassion, and care. We're not going to hide and be comfy and wait for Jesus to come back. That's what Christians have been doing for a long time. We've been singing about the day that Jesus will return. And we've been sitting on a shelf hoping it will happen so we don't have to get dirty. And that isn't what we're called to do. It's time to get down off the shelf and get back into the mess and set the agenda. Hear me now. Come on now, guys. Wake up here. How do you get there? If you want to know how to use your iPhone fully, you go online, you watch the tutorials, and then you practice. They are out there. Trust me. I've used them and I've learned some things. For instance, did you know if you hold your finger down on a text 
and move it, you can move your cursor to wherever you want it to go to change it. That's really cool. I didn't know that. And when I found out, I celebrated. I went and had a coffee or something, you know, because that was so cool. But here's the deal. I can watch all the tutorials in the world on how to do that and never practice it. And guess what? It'll never change me. I'll never use it. It isn't enough. You have to put it into practice. You have to try out the functions. You have to practice them until they become second nature. The same is true for our faith. We need to read the Word. We need to not just read it, but we need to practice it. It's time to say, I read the Word and I put it into practice. I begin to use it. This week I practice what it says to do in a situation. I was not looking forward to it. It was a difficult situation for me. I didn't want to have to do what I had to do, but I knew what the Word said. And so I said, I'm going to do what the Word said. And I did what the Word said. And God worked. That's how it works, folks. He does what He says He's going to do. Have you ever studied the Word of God to learn how to live in your relationship with your kids? See, I tried to fix my kids all my life. I tried to be their savior. It didn't work. I've turned them over to him, and I just pray for him, and I love on him, and I tell them about Jesus, and I tell them how great he is, and I try to live it in front of them, and they're changing. God's moving in their lives. Have you ever tried that with your spouse? Find out what God says is the way to treat your spouse. You know, i got to be honest with you. Sometimes Darcy and I have had our struggles along the way. She isn't the perfect wife. I know I'm the perfect husband, but she wasn't always the perfect wife. It was a struggle at times or something like that. But you know what? When we begin to pray together, when we begin to seek God together, when we begin to listen to what the Word said about loving each other and how to love each other and how to do the things that God needed us to do, it changed our marriage. It changed it. You need to ask God to help you tell someone about Jesus. You know what I've learned? I've learned that as long as I don't pray about it, I don't have to tell anybody about Jesus. But you begin to pray and ask God to give you people and He will send you people. And guys, that's the only way the world's going to get changed. It's not going to get changed because we elect a new mayor. Or it's not going to get changed because we elect a new president. It's going to get changed because you get up and you go out and you pray for them and you tell somebody Jesus has an answer and you show them and they will change. You need to let God show you the positive side of things. His perspective instead of the negative. You know what the easiest thing in the world to do right now is? To sit here and talk about how bad things are. How bad President Trump is. How bad the Democrats are. How bad the city is. How bad the economy is. How bad the is. How bad the is. You can go on and on and on. And I hear it plenty because I have participated in it. I have sat around and talked about how bad things are plenty of times. How bad it is at church. Oh, my goodness. How bad the preacher is. You know, it's real easy. I understand. But you need to let God show you the positive side of things, his perspective instead of the negative. And then you need to be practicing that. That's why I want you to practice being thankful. That's where it starts. When you start being thankful, it gets real hard to be negative. 
If we live out what the Word says we are to do as Christians and followers of Jesus, we'll be amazed at the power we have in situations at home, for instance. What might happen if instead of fighting with your spouse, you stopped and prayed? What might happen at work if you prayed and asked God to be in charge and lead you in a circumstance that you're facing? What might happen in society if we begin to pray for people and pray for the president and pray for the Congress and pray for the courts and pray instead of listening to Fox News so that we could get more negative about it? What might happen at church if we prayed for our pastor and prayed for our youth pastor and prayed for our worship pastor and prayed for the children's ministries and prayed until God moved instead of talking about how they just don't understand or do anything? I'm trying. I'm so thankful today that God did not abandon me. I'm so thankful He didn't abandon our world. I'm so thankful for the fact that He sent Jesus. I love Jesus. I love what He means. I love what He's doing in our world. I'm so thankful that He redeemed the world. That even though things look like it's difficult right now, that He hasn't quit. And that means that there's hope. And I tell you, I've read the end of the book and He wins. And here's the good news. He's invited me to partner with Him. Not just talk about it, not just go to church, not just to read the Bible in the quiet of my home and then put it away and not use it when I go to work. He has invited me to get involved. And not just me, he's invited everyone who's become a child of God to get involved and to lead with him. Yet to all received him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So let me ask you, are you a child of God? It's got to start there. If you have not accepted him, if you've just been going to church, but you really haven't accepted him, then none of this matters to you. But if you want, and if you are a child of God, it means everything. So if you're a child of God right now, the first thing I want you to do is thank him. Right now, where you're sitting, you begin to thank God for the privilege of being his child. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for letting me be your child. What a privilege. And if you aren't a child of God yet, why not? The benefits of being a child of God are overwhelming. And here's the deal. All you need to do, it's not like I got to go up and I got to get my act together and I got to clean up all those things. That doesn't matter. The sin has been dealt with. It's just coming and accepting what he's done for you. Saying, yes, Lord, I want what you have for me. Confess my sins, accept the gift. And if you are a child of God, let me ask you another question. Are you putting it to work in your life? Are you using it? Are you doing anything with it? Or are you just putting in time at church and putting your status as a child of God on the shelf and saying, well, I got too much to do right now. You know, I got to go to work and I got kids and I got this and I got that. And and you're just waiting because, you know, heaven, when I get to heaven, it'll be plenty of time. What a mistake. Are you taking all the power, all the authority you've been given as a child of God and learning and growing so you can make a difference? Because right now, this world is longing for Christians who will step out in boldness and start reigning with God and declare the truth and say, we're not going to let Satan win. See, that's that's the thing that happens when people first get saved. Kanye is a good example. You want to do something right away. And he's taking his talent and he's created a whole new album. And I don't know if you've listened to it. It may not be your style. You may be confused by some of it. But he's trying his best to communicate what he believes has happened in his heart. 
He's trying to do what God's calling him to do. I don't know. I think all of us ought to be doing that because we can make a difference. If you're not making a difference, why not? See, we've been given all this so we can win this world, so we can live in peace, so we can love instead of hate, so we can overcome jealousy and envy, so we can set the agenda on earth and rule. Rule doesn't mean control. It means set the agenda for where we're headed. The agenda ought to be how can we love, not how can we get more money. The agenda should be how can we care about those who don't have, not how can I take care of myself. The Father's given it to us, and He's asked us to represent Him. And I'm thankful for that, and I want to thankfully do it. I don't know where you're at right now. You may be sitting there going, well, I'm comfortable and I'm not moving. And that's between you and God. I don't think that's where He wants you. I think God is making you uncomfortable. I think some of you are probably going, I wish you wouldn't preach stuff like that. That's okay. I'm going to keep preaching it because that's what God's asked me to do. And I want you to be uncomfortable. I want you to be uncomfortable being comfortable on earth. I want you to be uncomfortable with just being okay. I want you to be on fire. I want you to do what God wants you to do. And if God's speaking to your hearts today, I want you to pray. And I know you're going, I can pray at home. I'll take care of home. You know what? You will never do it at home. Right now, God is speaking to some hearts. And I believe that with all my heart right now. And he's inviting some of us to pray together down at this altar. And I'm going to have time for prayer. And if anybody wants to pray with me down here, I would invite you to come right now. Let's stand together. Nathan's going to lead us. And I invite you to come and to pray right now if God is speaking to your hearts. And I don't care if you're embarrassed. I don't care if you think, well, what's everybody going to think? They're going to think you're praying. I think that's a good thing. So come, let's pray. Just invite you to do whatever you want to do here in these who are at the front. You know their needs. Lord, if they're struggling with something or if it's something that they just want to give to you or if Lord, you're speaking to their hearts about, about getting out of their comfort zone and beginning to do what you ask. Or if they just want to express their thanksgiving, then Lord, we just give you praise. We just give you praise for all these who are here. God, we need you. We ask right now that you would just begin to come and move in our midst. That you would move not only in the hearts of these who are here, but those who are in the pews, Lord. Those who are struggling, maybe maybe hanging on. Maybe a pride was still saying, I just can't go down there. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, I pray, God, that you will just speak to the hearts of your people. Lord, I pray that you will continue to speak to my heart, Lord. I don't feel like I've arrived in any way, shape, or form. But Lord, we believe that you've called us to reign with you. That you've called us to be sons and daughters. That you've called us, Lord, to more than just sitting on the shelf and watching the world. Lord, we are called to make a difference. Lord, give us the courage to go and make a difference. To stand up to the world. To stand up to Satan. To say, no, you're not going to win our sons. You're not going to win our daughters. You're going to have our children. We're going to win this battle. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. I love you and I praise you. And I just invite you right now to take over in this place and to move. To meet each and every need. God, have your way right now. You know what's going on. We just trust you for it. Lord, I pray right now if there's any that, that uh, <coughs> anyone that is sitting there and they're just not sure what to do, God, that you'll give them wisdom and understanding. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. I just thank you, Lord, for all that you've given to us. I thank you for life. I thank you for new life. I thank you for the church. I thank you for the hope. And I thank you, Lord, that you've called me to be a part. So bless us now, Lord, and have your way the rest of this 
uh, through this, this day and through everything, all the time out in front of us, Lord, have your way. Help us to grow and to become more like you. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.